Welcome to the Conscious Healing Podcast with Mona Loring. This is a show that marries the mystical with the practical to help you with your spiritual healing. Whether you're newly curious about what's behind the veil or you're well into your spiritual journey, this show offers a grounded exploration into all you've been seeking. Hey everyone, as always, I'm grateful to have you tuning in today. This is going to be my final episode of the season and Wow, what a year it has been. When I look back on the journey of my first episode and how I was feeling when I started this podcast, led by spirit, led by just feeling really empowered to just basically come out to the world about my spiritual work. And it's been such a fulfilling adventure. I'm so glad that I did it. I'm so glad that I was able to peel back the layers of fear of what people would think if they knew that I was a psychic medium, that I wouldn't be taken seriously in my PR work, that it would affect my friends and family and putting all of that aside and knowing that I was led by a higher power. I knew I could trust it. And and I'm so glad that I did in every way. And I'm so grateful for all of you for whether you've been listening to me from day one or episode six, Or if this is even your first episode, thank you for joining me. It feels so good to know that I've built a community that I can help that, you know, hopefully through, you know, educating you in something you've never heard of before with my amazing guests sharing their wisdom with me being able to share my experiences and to help you process what you've been going through and perhaps digest your emotions a little better. And and if this has even helped one person heal even 1%, it's worth it for me. And I love doing it. And I just, the Gemini in me just loves to talk. So this has not been hard. It's been, it's been challenging making time for it with work. And when I first started this, because of the pandemic, things had really started to slow down, uh, especially at one of my agencies, uh, the talent agency. And so I had so much more time and, after the fall started picking back up with both my PR companies, it got a lot harder to do this, but I just knew in my heart that it didn't matter and that this was a priority for me and that I definitely needed to make time in my schedule to keep up with it. And as much as I tried to keep up with it weekly, when I couldn't, I was easy with myself. And I hope that that's a reminder for you guys too. If you cannot do something, there's no reason to beat yourself up. Everything happens for a reason. If you cannot make time for something, it's okay. It's, you know, be gentle with yourself, pick it back up when you can. And as soon as you can, if it's something that's good for you to be doing right, we don't need to pressure ourselves. What does that do? If I had just stressed out about the fact that I don't have a podcast a week coming out, it's not perfect. What good does that do? Why does it need to be one a week? That's perfect. I have nobody that I have to deliver these to. I'm not under any contractual obligation, right? There's no one I'm letting down in that way. Why would I be hard on myself? So just a reminder for you to be gentle with yourself in case there's anything you're stressing out about currently as far as your to-do list and things that you need to do. That all being said, I'm really excited about my special guest today, who is Susan Grau. And I've had the pleasure of getting to know her a little bit this past year through her wonderful work with us through Conscious Spirit Events. 
And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Susan shortly, but first I wanna dive into the subject of NDEs. What are NDEs? Some people might not know that term. NDEs is short for near-death experiences. And people usually hear near-death experiences and unless you've actually studied it or gone through it or know someone who's gone through it or anything like that, a lot of people think, and, and even when I was a kid, I thought near-death experiences just meant like, a trauma that you go through because you almost died. But I'm gonna go through some information on it to just give you a little bit of background and context on what NDEs are. I'm very interested in them. I find them fascinating. I have not ever had one, um, but I know a lot of people who have, and it's so interesting to me, the commonalities between what these people go through. And what I really found interesting when I first started to study NDEs was that it's such a great way for skeptics to, you know, and usually the NDEs happen to a lot of people who were skeptical and then were afterwards, obviously, like there's no way there's not an afterlife and there's more to this world. But it, it's really interesting to even read these stories because skeptics who learn about it, and as long as you obviously believe that these are not actors and they're not being paid to say this stuff, why would they? Honestly, I, I don't understand why anyone would make up their, their NDE experience if they're really going to dedicate their life to it. But it's so amazing to hear these commonalities and it's a really great way for anyone who wants to educate themselves on what, what there is after life and how there is more to life. I was trying to think about how I wanted to phrase that. So I, I think that as fascinating as a phenomenon as this is, we have to pay attention to kind of the facts, right? And the commonalities that people report you know, as far as how they are able to see themselves out of body, they're just mind blowing. And according to the University of Virginia's website, I'm going to read this to you. Near death experiences are intensely vivid and often life transforming experiences, many of which occur under extreme physiological conditions such as trauma, seizing brain activity, deep general anesthesia or cardiac arrest, in which no awareness or sensory experiences of any kind should be possible according to the prevailing views in neuroscience. So this is tying into scientific information and fact. A near-death experience or NDE is a common pattern of events that many people experience when they are experiencing intense threat or seriously ill or come close to death. So that goes you know, I'm, I'm actually going to go back to what I said, where a lot of people think NDEs are about right when you're about to die. So this is actually covering that as well. I want to preface that that's not at all when I'm talking about it and the people I bring on and will talk to and the books I've read about people who studied it. I've always gone into the people who have actually gone through basically dying and coming back. The way that this description's written it sounds a lot more like, you know, if someone put a gun to your head and you thought you were about to die, so you freak out, that's not quite the same thing when we're talking about it at the level that I'm trying to explain it to you right now. But of course, a lot of things can run the gamut. I'm not going to say that someone who's almost about to die like that doesn't go through their own profound experiences, but I'm talking about people who basically in some form died and then come back. So that's, that's where I'm at with this one as far as our chat goes, especially with Susan. And although NDEs vary from one person to another, they often include such features as the following. I'm still reading from this website. A feeling of 
comfortable and sorry, <laughs> feeling very comfortable and free of pain, a sensation of leaving the body, sometimes being able to see the physical body while floating above it. That's a very common one that I've heard when I talk to people from that have had NDEs. The mind functioning more clearly and rapidly than us, which I've had in my situations with spirit. So that that's an interesting one to break down real quick to you and let you know that the mind functions so much more clearly when we're out of body and when we're not connected to our human selves and our ego mind and our actual brain part of the human that's actually analyzing and logically thinking, you actually function way more clearly when you're not in that type of uh, mindset. Moving on with this list, a sensation of being drawn into a tunnel or darkness, a bright light sometimes at the end of the tunnel, a sense of overwhelming peace, well-being, or absolute unconditional love, a sense of having access to unlimited knowledge, a life review or recall of important events in the past, a preview of future events yet to come. By the way, I have never personally known anyone who's had the preview of future events to come. I can only imagine how cool that could be. And I've read stories about it, uh, but I don't personally know anyone with that, but I think that would be a really interesting interview to find somebody. So if you know anybody who's had that, have them come on my show. Encounters with deceased loved ones or with other beings that may be identified as religious figures. What's really interesting about this list that I just read you is that I've had a lot of these experiences either as the healer or as myself being healed, whether it's been through like a, a shamanic journey or a deep, 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 deep meditation, um, you know, plant journey kind of thing. So that's so interesting to me because that's just, it's when you cross over, when you lift the veil, a lot of the stuff on this list to me is veil lifting. And when you are going through an NDE, obviously it's the ultimate veil lifting. So I find it really interesting to be able to compare those commonalities and I wanted to share that with you. So I'm still reading off this website. While these features are commonly reported, many NDEs differ from this pattern and include other elements. For example, some near-death experiences may be frightening or distressing rather than peaceful. We are interested in hearing about all kinds of near-death and similar experiences and in studying their effects upon persons who have them. So. It's so interesting that this university and, and there, you'll find many places that are studying NDEs like this. They want to study anyone who has gone through any type of NDE because again, what they're looking for is finding the common thread and the commonalities between people because that's where you just, the proof is in the pudding there. And what I always find really interesting is when I'm doing a session, especially as a, as a medium, when I'm in a session and, and I'm reading somebody, when spirit tells me things that I'm like, wow, that's, that's a commonality. You know, it's things like that, that you're like, this is really adding up or actually even more so because it's, it's, you could argue with me if you want to play devil's advocate. Well, that's just your brain, your brain seeing the commonality because it's still you, you're the common thread. It doesn't matter that it's reading from different spirits. Fair. I will take that. So my other theory or not theory. My other example is when I do a reading with someone or a session with someone and they see a different healer and then they say, we said the same thing. So there's a lot of commonalities like that in spirit. And it's one of those really cool things where if you study it, it just, 
I, I really don't think you can say anymore because of all these beautiful studies that these scientists are doing. And thank goodness for science meets spirit. If you ask me, that's, that's just the best when I hear about people who are doing that because some people really need that logical explanation and they need a scientific explanation. And for so long, it was so hard to explain. And I'm not of a scientific mind. I have a completely different kind of brain, but I appreciate those people who we have here to be able to connect those dots because those commonalities are those statistics that you just can't shake. It's, it's great to know that there are these types of facts out there and studies out there that can prove that we're not crazy and there is an afterlife and we're not alone. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And as much as it's easy to say, oh, have no fear about dying. I, I'm not one to say it like that because I totally get it. And you know, I've lost people in my life. And even though as a medium, I know that they're still there, it still hurts, you know? So I don't want to kind of wash any of that out, spirit wash out. <laughs> I'm going to coin that term. I'm not going to spirit wash, but you know, at the end of the day, it's so comforting to know that this is real and we're not just cuckoo and we're not crazy and woo woo is real and woo woo is of this higher power, no matter what we want to call it. You know, I have some really beautiful, good friends that are Jewish, that are Christian. And when I talk to them about religion and their gods, it makes sense to me. There's a, there's a commonality. I, I just want to break down an episode with that. And I've been doing a lot of thinking about that. And it's really interesting because I believe that our frame of reference and what God is, is still a truth. And it's a truth to us. And that in no way brings it down at all. It's still a common thread of truly what the God is for all of us. And it's just manifesting in its own way. So I'm just going to leave that there. So there's a number of authors that you can check out for more information on NDEs, including two I highly recommend, which are Raymond Moody's Life After Life and Anita Morjani's Dying to Be Me. Those are great books if you want to dive into near-death experiences a little bit. And now that we've gone over what NDEs are, here's the good stuff. You're, you don't, you don't want to be here hearing about me tell you about NDEs and read off a website, do you? No, I know you don't. I'm sorry for my Gemini tangents, but we're getting here now. I am about to tell you all about my special guest, Susan Grau today. Susan Grau is an internationally recognized intuitive medium and inspirational speaker. Susan is a celebrity reader that's been featured in Lifetime, Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop, The Hollywood Reporter, Vancouver Sun News, Style and Society Magazine, Famous Mediums, and more. She is featured in James Van Prague's exclusively preferred medium, medium site. Susan has completed her Doctorate of Divinity with the renowned Dr. Raymond Moody, who's, if he sounds familiar, it's because I just told you about reading one of his books, the founder of Studies and Near-Death Experiences in the Areas of Ministries and NDEs. Susan is a certified professional with a background in counseling, offering services such as mediumship, intuitive and clairvoyancy, life coaching. She's a certified hypnotherapist, Reiki master, spiritual coach, and teacher of the metaphysical arts, along with other healing modalities. She does a ton of amazing stuff, and she's such a bright light. I'm excited for you to meet her. She also uses her intuitive abilities to help guide you to inner growth, direction, and self-knowledge. I'm really excited to bring you guys on. I'm actually pre-recording this right now. Um, I'm sorry, not pre-recording. I should say post-recording this right now. The interview with Susan was pre-recorded, so I already can tell you that it's one of my favorite interviews that I've done so far, and I think you guys will really enjoy the information Susan has to share, and it's just beautiful. 
So I look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Let's talk to Susan. Welcome to the podcast, Susan. I'm so thrilled to have you on. I've been just waiting for the day that we were able to work our schedules out to have you visit. So thank you for being here. I'm so grateful you're having me. I truly am honored to be in your energy. That is the sweetest thing you could say coming from you because I feel the same way about you. Your energy is just, it always lights me up. You are such a true heart-led soul. And for the listeners who don't know, we were just going on our own tangents right now talking before even the podcast because I just couldn't get enough of Susan. So I'm really excited for you guys to be able to hear her wisdom. So Susan, what I always do at the beginning of a podcast is ask people to share their spiritual journey. You know, tell us about how it all started. And for you, I know, because I know your story, you know, I know it started really young. So please tell us how you started working with spirit and how it's evolved into this amazing woman that you are now an amazing business and and amazing work that you're doing. Thank you for saying that. That means so much. Well, um, I remember being uh, about three years old and animals would pass and I'd see them floating and that was just my normal. So I know that I was born with this and, um, and I, you know, people say to me, did you ever say anything to anybody when you saw them floating? I said, no, because I thought you saw them too. I didn't even think that it just was. And then at four and a half years old, tipping on five, I got locked in an unplugged freezer in a garage. And that's a whole nother set of story. That's a whole nother um, conversation. But what happened to me is when I came back from that, I could see things everywhere and I could feel a change in me. And the change wasn't so dramatic at four and a half years old that I, that I thought that I was going to be a healer, but I wanted to heal everything if that makes sense. So if my animal didn't feel good, I knew it. If my sister was was sad, I knew it. I, I knew these things and I didn't understand. And I was getting visits and those visitors came and came and came. And I was terrified. It was four and a half and I was scared. And as time went on, I learned to have this abnormally normal life. And they would come and visit me and they would tell me things. They download things in me. And I just knew things about people and about the world. And, and, um, and I'm not hyper intelligent. So it didn't come from that. It came from the soul. And I, I accepted that and I honored that. And, and I also wanted to be like everybody else. And it wasn't as time went on. And I, and it wasn't, I say I wasn't because while they were playing, I was seeing their dead grandmother. Right. And I wanted to play too. Or when I played by myself, they would all be in the room with me and I would be frightened. And then they'd go away because I was frightened and then they'd come back in. So, you know, that's not a normal life I know now, but to me, that was my normal. And then as time went on, I ended up um, having a lot of profound visits. Um, some of them were so-and-so, so-and-so's best friend's father died and he visited me and I didn't even know him. And I would have all this information and then I'd get a call the next day and yes, that happened. And then I would give all this information, but then it started to become continuous. Even my own family was coming to me when they would pass or, um, someone would be sick and I'd be, you know, saying, God, please don't take them away from me. And I'd hear Susan, stop praying that I'm already gone. And then the, the phone would ring and they'd be gone. And it was just continuous. And I decided that um, I'm almost 62. They would have locked me up if I said I was talking to spirits. So I became a counselor. And I did that for a while, but I couldn't be really authentic because ultimately 
um, I'd say, I think this PTSD is coming from the fact that you helped try to revive your grandmother. You were only four years old. You know, you went through all of this trauma and she opened her eyes and said this to you or whatever. And they'd say, I didn't tell you that. I didn't tell you I did that with my grandmother. And I would be horrified and I would backtrack. And I felt really uh, disingenuous, to be honest, because I didn't know what to do. So I did that for a long time and I helped people heal in that way. And, and, um, addiction, suicides, things like that. When I was a young woman, both of my brothers committed suicide three years apart and my best friend and my sister-in-law who was one of my very dear friends died of brain cancer. And so I was seeing a lot of death and her experience is what her death is what changed me. Because what happened was, is I called the hospital. They said she was fine. All her stats were up. Everything was gonna be just fine. She'd be here another, you know, quite a while. And um, I was sitting typing on the computer and I literally felt her soul go through my soul and she was saying goodbye. And it was, it was like, um, I, I, don't, I can't describe it. It was so phenomenal. Her soul literally entered my soul and came up through my crown chakra and left. And I knew it was her. And I said, Erin. And I started crying. And that not only overwhelmed me, but it made me wonder what's happening to me. And so I ended up going and seeing James Van And he said to me, I walked in and he said, you know, you had a near-death experience. You got spirits all around you. And I was blown away that he recognized that. And he said, you're a medium. And I kind of pushed that aside and I give readings to my friends and things like that but it kept happening and growing and growing. And then I saw, I went to a Lisa Williams show. This was, I don't know, 25 years ago. I went to a show, um, maybe 20. And I, I walked in, sat down and she, you know, I have a spirit here, blah, 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 blah. And, and I gave Rose my hand and I thought, no, 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 I'm not going to raise my hand. I'm going to keep it down. This isn't me. And she said, okay, it's not you. And then she came back and she said, it is you stand up. She brought me to the center of the stage and she looked up at me and she said, you belong on the stage with me. And I was blown away. And she said, they are all over you. Take pictures, people, because you're not going to see her. All you're going to see is the lights on her. The spirits are circling around her. And she said, you've had a near death experience and you see them all the time, don't you? And I was blown. I had to be honest, I was shaking. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not going down on that stage. I didn't go. I was terrified. And I went back, back down, but it never it stayed right here in my head. And ultimately, um, I didn't try to be a medium. I went back to another thing with James Van Praw, and um I was sitting in a group of, of students in, in this class, and I just started reading everyone. Your grandfather's here. He was a coal miner. And my jaw dropped. Their jaw, jaw dropped, obviously. And I started getting phone calls. And so very organically, people said, will you read me? You know, I want to come to you. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe that, that you did that. And I was thinking in my head, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that. And I still do that to this day. When I read people, uh, they'll say, oh, my gosh, how could you know that? And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, how could I know that? How is that possible? So that was kind of my my journey into the light, basically, um, and into being able to help people understand my goal is not to um, 
fix them. My goal is to help them see that their loved one is there and present and that they aren't alone and, and they're not gone forever and that they will see them again. My goal is to help them heal their grief. I am a grief counselor. I also have my doctorate in uh, Ministries of Near-Death Experiences with Dr. Raymond Moody. So I feel very blessed to have had that. I just did that recently, so I'm very proud of it. Okay. Um, but I, um, that's pretty much my journey, and it just grew from there. I never would have said to you that I'm going to be a medium and I'm going to set up shop. Never, never. It, that was never a part of my journey. I, I was a mom, and that was my journey, and I would read people you know, when I'd see them and that would be it. I think that that's just how it works when it's truly authentic though. It's not spirit finds you, you don't mm -hmm. find spirit and you think you do. People all think that they do, but spirit's been kind of calling you. And it's like, I always tell people, it's like, they're throwing little pebbles at you your whole life, you know, and then they just keep giving you bigger and bigger, you know, rocks. And sometimes if people don't wake up to do their purpose or shift their life path, I believe that's when you get those big boulders thrown at you and your life changes and, you know, whatever it may be. Your story is really interesting to me because of the NDE at such a young age opening you up. And I find it fascinating in general when NDEs open people up to spirit like they do. Um, you know, my, my, me opening up to spirit had nothing to do with an NDE, even though that's such a common one, or some people have like the head injuries and things like that. So I find it so fascinating the way that people all have their, their journeys on how they open up. And obviously I, I, I told you that this episode is going to be about NDEs. So we'll, we'll stick there, even though I already, in everything you said, have 80 different questions and I'm like, okay, Mona, keep it to the subject girl. Don't let that Gemini brain go crazy. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to just stick it to stick with the, the NDEs here. So can you, can I back you up to share the NDE experience? Because I love that you answered the question by just giving me your journey, which is exactly what I was looking for. But now that we're diving into the NDEs, can you kind of share what that was, what the story was with that more specifically first? And I want you to know something that you just said that before I go there, I just want to say this. Um, I had a uh, non-cancerous brain tumor and I also had a afterwards got a severe concussion. I fell and I hit that same area after my surgery. And so when you talk about head injuries, I have to tell you that my gifts grew in that experience. I would never suggest anybody get a head injury to have that happen. Right. But my did grow even more. Every experience in my life journey, my gifts have expanded. Um, that was a choice I made. I could go to victim and because we are victims of things. So it's real. Victim's not an ugly word. People find it to be, but it's not. But I, um, we are victimized on our journey sometimes, but I just always went to, what can I do with this? How do I help someone with this and myself? Um, and that doesn't mean I don't get sad because I do. And I cry and I'm just like everybody else. When you're a child and you have an NDE, so it's very different. So for an adult that has an NDE, they, um, they expand differently. They, they, they remember the afterlife in a different way. A lot of them, when you read their stories, they, they feel peace. They know they're go where they're going. They know what their purpose is here, et cetera, et cetera. A child doesn't feel that way. So a child feels 
all the things that everybody else feels. I did everything wrong. I did everything backwards. I had lots of damage and harm. I had a lot of growth and continue to have to do. That is, um, I don't look at it as, wow, this is amazing. Like I hear a lot of, I read a lot about near-death experiences. So having said that, I was playing with some boys and they told me that if I wanted to play fort with them, I needed to get up in the freezer in the garage and get popsicles. And I wanted to play with them so bad. And I, I didn't realize that four years old, that it wasn't plugged in. There were no popsicles. So I climbed into the freezer and started to move things, you know, trying to find the popsicles. And they closed the freezer door and they closed the garage door and they ran home. It was separated from our house by quite a distance. Um, and there was like a big workshop between our house and the, and the gate. And then there was the gate and then the yard and then the house. And my mom was at the back of the house. And she says she heard, you know, your baby's in the freezer and she ignored it. She didn't even connect to it. And I remember screaming at the top of my lungs. And I remember hearing, stop screaming. We're going to get your mommy. And I have no connection to the feeling of being pulled out of my body and looking down and seeing my body down there. I don't have that understanding, which by the way, many people don't. Um, as I did my studies, I recognize that now. Um, they keep it, the commonalities, because they have to write about it. But there are many people that don't have that feeling. I also didn't feel a tunnel. And I thought, oh, this can't be real. So I always doubted everything about it because I didn't, wasn't exactly like everyone else. And by the way, most people don't see a tunnel. They call it something else. And they had to have a word for commonality. And some people do call it a tunnel. What I felt was I took my whole self with me. It wasn't, you know, just like this, this feeling of, oh, I'm down there and they're up here. But I felt this, these three bright lights, one feeling like a mom, very strong. And she's the one that said, we're going to get your mommy, but first we're going to show you some things basically. And I remember crossing to the other side. And I remember being at the bottom of these stairs, what I believe is crossing to the other side. I want to preface it with that. I remember being at the bottom of these stairs and I remember knowing that inside this, this beautiful, this is going to be an oxymoron, but a Greek Roman room that had an open ceiling and the bottom was open and it had, I knew that it had this and it was all cracked and gorgeous. And I remember feeling like there's, there's, a, there's a well in there. There's something in there and I want to see it. But I thought to myself, how am I going to get up these stairs? And I was there. And I was standing on the edge of this well. Now you think about a little child standing on the edge of a well, I should have been terrified. I wasn't scared at all. And I remember looking to the, uh, I don't know if it was right or left, because I can't, I think it was my left. I was little. Um, and I remember seeing them standing there, these bright lights. And I saw this movement in this well, and it, it was words. And Looking back on it now, uh, for the last many years, I see it as DNA of words. It was words that was moving like DNA. All of the words were twisting and turning together. And I asked, where am I? And somehow I knew that these words had a lot of meaning and they were people's words. And they said, you're in the room of heart's desires. And what I recognized again today, but also felt like I knew these were all the people that were giving prayers and asking for help and, you know, um, all the other things that we do when we're here trying to accomplish something or be more or survive, because this is a hard place to be. 
as beautiful as it is. And I remember um, me saying, um, well, you know, what are they, what are they doing? And they said, this is the room of heart's desires, basically. And um, I said, do you answer all those? And I was innocently asking the question and they said, no, Susie, sometimes what people desire the most is not good for them. And they use our knowledge. So my mom used to say, I'm not doing that for you because that's not good for you. So they use what we understand and our own experiences to teach us. They do that now, by the way. They, they do it throughout our journeys. They use our, our knowing. So um, the, the next thing I saw was this yellow brick road. I called it the yellow brick road because the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> But the, the yellow brick road, and I remember um, seeing pavers being paved and people were, there was these pyramids and uh, at the bottom of these pyramids, people were going and they were pulling these pavers, these gold pavers out from beneath the pyramid. And I remember watching them paving like a path. And I said, what are they doing? And, you know, they kind of just let me watch. And then I'd see them, I, what I knew, first, let me go back to what I knew. I, I understood at that moment, for some reason, that this was their life journey. And when you pull from the bottom of a pyramid, what happens? It gets on, out of balance. And so I, they were on their knees, you know, for the love of God, help me. And all these things were being said. And I watched these beautiful, um, sorry, this is my emotional point these beautiful angels. Give me a call. Coming in, picking up the pavers, putting them to the bottom of the pyramid, going to the top of the pyramid and taking the pavers off and they would recreate themselves so that their pyramid was whole and that their balanced, the balance was there because they were now in charge and they started paving the path. And I said, what are you doing? And they said, we are the pavers. You are not. All you have to do is walk. And I said, how do you know if you're walking it right? <laughs> and they basically, their words were, and I don't remember their exact wording, but how I took it is we will bless it or block it. And if we block it, make no mistake, you can get through it, battered and bruised at best, or you can shift when you see that block. And if you see another one, shift again. And if you see another one, shift again. And before you know it, we will be there paving your path. And they said, you humans have brains. You think you know what is best for you. You think you know. We know what is best for you. Wow. And um, I could go on for two hours over that. But the shifting again. I saw the room, on my way to the room of knowledge, which people call the acoustic records, I don't relate to that word at all. I can't even say it properly, I don't think. Um, for me, it was the room of knowledge. On my way, I saw a room of companions, is what they called it, and I saw animals, and, and they were all playing and romping, but I didn't see any of mine. So people ask me, did you see your animals? No, I didn't see any animals, not mine. But what I did know is there were animals there, and they were romping and playing, and, and it was called the room of companions. Um, I was then in this room called the room of knowledge and it was like a, which we would call here virtual books, I guess. And that's where we made our contracts. And they explained to me in a child way that I have to explain to you in an adult way, or it would make no sense because you can't make sense out of the afterlife in words. There is no way to do it. 
It's almost, it's almost impossible to tell you the experience, yet I give it, you're getting a tiny portion of what the real words should be, but there are no words. Um, and I remember them, they had um, like almost a checkbook, a book of checks. And, you know, people decided what they wanted to learn on this journey that's this time around and what they wanted to understand what their sole purpose was, which was not a job necessarily, but it had that in it. But it was more, you know, I'm, I want to understand uh, grief um, fully because grief changes our soul and it can change it for the better. It can make us better, compassionate, loving, understanding. It brings us something good and bad are equivalent in value because they both teach us something. So um, we would check those boxes and I must've checked a lot of them because, and many of us have, because our darkest past is our greatest asset to helping people heal. We have to have that um, anyway. And, and, and so, you know, I'm sure they try to stop us from checking too many boxes, but some of us are stubborn. You know, we think we can handle it, especially if we've been through a lot of life journeys. I think we think we can handle more. Um, and so, you know, when we're new coming here, souls always are and always will be, but there's a depth to the soul that's different when you've come here a lot of times. So when we're coming here, you know, I think when you're new, you don't realize what you're checking here, you know, and they're trying to warn you. So you don't check a lot. You don't know what it means. But once you get here and you want to grow substantially and be a particular kind of soul, um, you're going to check a lot more. So, um, I saw that room and they explained all that to me. And my mother says she, and, and, and there's more to that also. It's again, very in depth, but words can't describe. Um, and my mother said she heard again, your baby's in the freezer. And I remember being able to speak to my mom. I think it's how it taught me to speak to spirit or for, to listen to spirit speaking to me. I'm gonna mm -hmm. reverse that. We don't speak to spirit except for to um, randomly pray to them and tell them what we need. When we're getting information coming in, they're giving it to us. We're not, we're not talking to them. They're talking to us. Okay. And I think that people get a misnomer about that. Like I'm going to tell spirit what I want, and then they're going to give it to you. No, they're going to give you what you want, no matter what, or what you need, no matter what you want. So they're talking to us and that's the glory of them. Um, my mom heard your baby's in the freezer and um, she said that she waited a little bit longer and she heard it again, terrified her. She said she ran outside, threw open the freezer or the garage door, um, threw open the freezer door, turned me around. She said it was ashen. She said she, at those times they didn't have cell phones. So they, you know, she started to go get a phone, you know, get to her phone. And I dropped and my mother says, I split my chin open, which I do have a scar and I took a breath. And so um, that's kind of my story. And that she didn't want my father to know that she didn't. My sister told me this part. She didn't want my father to know that she didn't bolt down and chain it like she was supposed to. And, and um, they didn't park their cars in there. We had a boat in there. And um, so she didn't tell my dad what she did is she put me to bed. And when I woke up from that experience, she was actually angry at me and put me to bed, you know, like, what were you thinking? You know, panic anger. And um, when I came back kind of from that experience and I, and I felt better, which was pretty rapidly, quite honestly, I could see spirits everywhere. 
And my sister said she could see them too. So they were there. They were looking in my windows, under my bed, the corner of my room, down the hallway. They were speaking to me. I didn't know what they were saying, what they were doing, why they were there. I was absolutely terrified. I have trouble understanding anyone who says they weren't scared being that age and seeing spirits, but that's their journey. But I was terrified. And then it, I kind of got used to it a little bit. I was always scared. I was scared till I was an adult, but my fear was different as an adult. It was more, what do you want? What do you want? Go away. You know, and then they kind of dissipate. But um, from that, I used to see them come through the corners of the walls and in, in these beautiful orbs. I love orbs as anybody who knows me knows. And they would have um, rays coming off of them. And then they'd center kind of at the end of my bed because when they came too close to me, I would get scared. So they'd come to the end of my bed and, and they'd say, you know, I'm so-and-so. And, and I started, started to understand them at some point. I can't tell you what point that was. I actually thought for a while everybody saw them. And then I was about eight years old and I, uh, I used to play in this room with them all the time. And I, I remember being with friends and saying, um, you know, your grandma's here and she wants to play. And we were playing house. They said, so mean, her grandma died. And I said, I, I know she's here. She wants to play. And they like went at me hard. I won't even go into that detail. But what happened was, is I learned at that moment, don't talk about this. So I married my first husband and I'd wake him up and say, your aunt just passed away. And he'd go, what? Go to sleep. And then we'd get a call the next morning. Things like that would happen, but I didn't talk to him about it. Um, he ended up getting involved in drugs and alcohol, part of the journey I needed to understand to take care of me. And um, I ended up having to leave that relationship. And I told my husband now, who I've been married to for 34 years almost, next, in a couple of weeks, um, right after my birthday, um, I told him about it and everything about my experience. But one day we were in a church setting. I wanted my children to learn all about all the different things they could learn. And I heard the pastor say, and the paths were paved in gold. And I almost fell off my chair. And I looked at my husband because he was going to be a Catholic priest. He went to seminary. And I said, did you know that? And I was upset with him, you know, like, oh, my God, did you know? And he said, yes. And I said, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? He said, because it was your story to learn. And so one time he was really um, philosophical because my husband was not philosophical, but that day he was. I thought, this is not the time to be philosophical. You should have told me. <laughs> but I was blown away by it. Absolutely blown away. And that's when I think I really, and I was young, and I think that's when I really understood spirit. I really believed them. Now, as a medium, till this day, I go into my room and sometimes I'm tired or whatever it is. And, and I say, this is all fake. I'm going to go to hell for this. And I don't even believe in hell. Um, I'm, I, I make all this up and I'm heart hurting people. And this is so wrong. And my, my, my people who work for me always say to me, um, tell me all about that when you're done reading today, Susan. And when you come out of the room and you're done reading, you can tell me all this. And I go, okay, I feel like such a horrible person. And then I come out and I go, I couldn't have known that. This is real. I couldn't, you know, and I'm so shocked. So when I'm doing a reading and somebody is profoundly affected because the information makes so much sense, like the names and the dates, the times and places, I'm doing what they're doing. I'm saying, they're saying, oh my God, they're covering their mouth. I don't show them that. But in all honesty, I don't want them to think I'm you know, an idiot, but in all honesty, I'm thinking, oh my God, how did I know that? How did I know that? 
And I'm in just as much awe today as I was the first day it happened. Just not afraid anymore. I find it so interesting that you, I have so many things that I want to say, but I'm going to go off of this last part that you said first. I find it so interesting that you're still in awe of it, as am I. So it's very relatable for me. And I, first of all, I commend you on your honesty because it's, it's not easy to just say, you know, I, I still question it. Like it's, it feels like I'm faking it, but I get it. I get what you mean. And I've gone through that. And I, and I, and I start to rationalize, like I try to like, you know, I'm just, I'm doubting because it's such a big deal. And it's so much bigger than me that I doubt it. And it's natural, but at the same time, it's like, weird to think about why we would go through that in our heads because I do it too, where I will tell, you know, right before we got on this podcast, I was telling you how, for example, in a a business meeting, their guides will come in and I'll tell someone the advice. And while it's happening, there is a part of me, even though, you know, as you're doing a read, you just kind of say what you're hearing. So you're not even totally there in the same way. Right. But there's a part of me that's still present, obviously. And I'm, and I'm thinking, is like, is this for real? Am I really giving this person like, am I really hearing all these words that I'm saying from this guide? But you know, you know what it is, you know, it's not your brain, you know, we know the difference when it's the kind of work we do. But I still go through like, is this for real? And it's so helpful. We need the the person, the sitter to be like, yes, correct. Or, you know, whatever it is like, you know, and, and I remember one of the most recent times that I had done it, Mike, I was doing it with a PR client of mine where her guides were coming in and, and telling me, you know, this is what you need to do. And it was totally against anything in PR that I would have ever told my client to do. And I described her guide's personality and she was like, yes, that's him. And I was like, I was literally thinking in my mind, thank goodness, because I seriously feel like I'm just making this stuff up, you know? So it's, it's, I love how, how you're just, you're such a brave and real person. And I really love that about you. And I love that you're saying that because it's, it's a form of what I find online with a lot of, it's like a millennial thing. Um, but you know, you're not a millennial when you call it a millennial thing, but it's like a millennial thing where it's called imposter syndrome. And it's yeah. like, it's, it's, we're going through this, like, we still feel like fakes and you're so good at what you do. And you, you, I've seen you in action. I've seen your fan girls. <laughs> They're mainly women. So I'll call them fan girls. Like I've seen people who, when we've had an event with you, be like, oh my God, Susan's coming, ah! you know? And it's like, I, you know, and they would not be like that if they were, had not seen you prove all the things. So you're absolutely proven to me and I've seen it firsthand, but yet you feel like that. And I find that so fascinating, but you know what I think? It's funny when it's someone else, cause you can give them the advice you wouldn't give yourself what I'm getting right now about it is it's you wanting to be so real and you wanting to be so authentic that if there's even this 0.000001% of you, that's like, whatever this is, because it's such a huge majestic thing that we go through spirit. Like you're saying with your NDE and what you saw, I can only imagine how you can't put it into words when I've done plant medicine and I've seen things that have stripped away. And when I've gone to other realms and seen things that people want me to describe, I can't. There's colors that don't have words. There are emotions that don't have adjectives in the human language, right? Like it's just beyond. So I can only imagine what you went through. And I hear you with that. And it's so profound that our brains make us doubt ourselves 
because it, the brain, you know, the ego mind and not the ego of the personality, but the actual ego mind tricks us so much out of, out of fear and protection. Right. And I think that's part of what this might be is just, we're well, trying I to protect the, the, the truth of it all for ourselves. We don't want to be by any chance an imposter. Does that? Yes. Right? It's humility versus ego. So I think without it, we would be ego-driven. So when I, if you said to me, Susan, do you believe hundred percent all the time? And I said, oh, absolutely. 100%. I question, you know, and you would question that in me because we do have a brain. But what's very interesting is when they study the brain of a medium, there's actually a place in the brain that is being lit up that is not lit up for people who are not in contact on the other side. So if you think about that, we realize the brain does have a part because the, the soul and the information has to have linguistics. The soul does not have that. So it has to go somewhere into our brain to get there. And that's where we get to that place of, is it real? Is it not real? Am I, am I an ego? And I am in humility. It has to utilize our brain to get to linguistics. And also, you know, I teach a lot and I teach my students to remember the projection of what we see is not from the outside. The projection of what we hear may be, but not what we see, what we experience. So if we're using clairvoyance, we're actually seeing inside our brain and we get a visual on a screen. So we're not seeing with our eyes. Our eyes are actually, it's actually coming through our brain. So they take children and blindfold them and they learn to be able to see with their, that area of their brain that we're not using. So, you know, there's so many interesting facts about it and I study everything I love to study. Um, but I agree with you 100%. I, I, I think that the projection has to come either through the brain to, to the eyes, to the outside. So when I'm looking at you, I'm actually seeing you from my brain, not my eyeballs. Right. Projection comes through my eyeballs to you. So it's the same thing with, with that part of the brain that we use, that we have to use. And that's what messes us up. But it also is what keeps us humble. So um, they've proven that the soul speaks to the brain or the heart more than the brain speaks to the heart. The heart is told to pump, send blood, do, 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 do those things, the brain. But all of this information about our soul and our, our journey and the afterlife and um, Esther Trust, whatever it is that we're doing, it is coming from our soul into our thinking to gain that linguistic knowledge of being able to speak it. So when we're talking about the afterlife, there are no words. <laughs> so how do we speak it? You know, it's like when you talk about color, I saw those colors, flowers, like they, they don't exist here. I can't describe them. I can't even give you a flower that's even similar or a color that's even similar or the light. You know, there, there's nothing similar. You can't turn on a light and shine it. The brightest light in the world wouldn't be it because it doesn't harm. That would harm my eye, you know, the projection of what I'm seeing. So yes, 100%. And I think that people that do this work forget that, that your brain is part of the process. It has to be in order for you to speak it. So separating that area of the brain, the feeling that comes from there to the feeling that comes from our hypothalamus or the forefront of our brain or, you know, the intellectual part of our brain, the hemispheres, very different, right? 
And so you start to feel that difference. You start to realize you're in a higher dimension, a higher vibration. And that's how you know it's authentic. But then when you get off of that vibration, your brain goes, was that real? Did I make that up? You see? And so that's what's happening. It's yeah. actually quickly happening. That's, that's so well put. And that's, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that's why for me, you know, we were actually, I think I, yeah, we were, I'm like, was it when we were on the podcast or off the podcast? It was when we were off the podcast, we were also talking about, you know, just not being able to read your own stuff, you know, as well as, you know, you can tell everybody everything else. And of course, you know, you've had your, your situations where a spirit comes to you and, and tells you, you know, if they've crossed or anything like that, of course, but in general, you know, we're supposed to learn our life lessons and we're not supposed to know. And I think that's partially why we're designed this way. 100%. I my guess. Um, and so it's like, you know, you make these mistakes in your life because you can't read it for, for yourself. But then, you know, when we're talking to anybody who comes to us, you're like, oh boy, like, and, and have you ever had spirit tell you like, don't tell them that's the worst for me when they're like, okay, like, you know, that relationship's not going to work out. They're going down completely wrong road, but you're not allowed to tell them. And you're like, well, then why are you telling me this is horrible? You know, like this is, this is someone who's counting on me, you know, but it's so interesting. And it's like, you have to honor that. And this was something I believe, again, I don't remember if it was on or off podcast, but you were saying how, I think it was off and people should hear how you said this, you know, spirit comes first. When we do this work, spirit comes first the sitter comes second and we're third slash last. We don't even matter. We're, we're a vessel and we're blessed to be able to do this. And something that I don't believe I said to you when you were saying that, because I was as always in awe of everything you were saying and just taking your wisdom in. But, you know, I, I was thinking to myself, when we're ethical like this and we allow spirit to be first, the sitter to be second and for us not to matter slash be last in line, that's when we're given more of these gifts and the trust and the ability. And I find that whenever, you know, we're tested and spirits, you know, are we tested or just the spirit just know? Cause that could be my brain, like what you're saying. So I, I am, I'm thinking about what you said earlier, where it's like spirit just knows that they can trust you, but you're also being tested as a human. And for me, I find that I can never be unethical about any of this. I really never, ever could to the point where when I'm saying anything to someone in a read, I will have a conversation with people and say, that's my brain talking, by the way. Like I differentiate in the moment. <laughs> I, I don't want to trick anyone or have anyone think something's from spirit or right. Like you just want to be that ethical. And I think that's so important because that's, what's going to give us, you know, the, the, the gift, I don't know what else to call it. Cause it is a gift. It's such a beautiful thing that we're trusted to be able to do. But I do wonder, and I'm actually, this is going off of the NDE thing, but I want your take on this. I have ran into people who are not pure of heart that are really brilliant psychics. And I, I, I'm confused by that. And I still wonder how that could be. And I want to hear your take if you're comfortable answering that for me, because the one I'm thinking of in particular was, was really not of, of the light just completely the opposite. And I, I have my theory that maybe there's the other stuff that fueled her with information, you know? Um, but what do you think about that when I'm literally saying, you know, the more we're ethical and the more we're high vibe and, you know, you open up and, you know, you're, you're a clean vessel, the better food you eat, the more you drink water, right? You become more quote unquote psychic. I'm sure you teach your students things like that, right? 
So if that's the case, how have I met people who are completely not that they're literally giving readings when they're drunk, you know, like things like that, but they're really good. How does that work? What's your take on that? Their, their life journey is screwed up. Doesn't mean their psychic ability is, and they have a life lesson. And part of our life lesson is to understand that and to feel what we feel behind it and to protect people from that kind of reader, if we can, and to be aware, become aware, aware, our awareness, um, when we're taking care of ourselves prior to our readings and after our readings, because that's when we have to come first in order to be healthy. Some people don't do that. So they become what you're talking about. People who, who build their, their, um, their business or, or have the wrong uh, reasons for doing things, it doesn't change their gift. But what I feel is that they have a very big lesson here that they're meant to learn. And the people that are attracted in coming to them also have a huge lesson to learn in this arena, uh, trusting spirit instead of humans, trusting your instincts, you know, whatever that is that they're supposed to learn. Um, maybe, maybe if I went to someone who wasn't authentic, gave me information that probably wasn't pure. And when I get to a place in my journey that I can recognize that I've done some real healing work. So, um, and when it causes me enough pain, pain is our greatest motivator to change. And so maybe that's part of it too. There's a reason for all of it. I know that I don't like it either. I asked the same question. How come that person is so popular when I know for sure they're not on right now? They're not in with spirit right now. They're doing ego work. And I get almost envious of the fact that they're making, and I'm being real honest. And, and I'm ashamed of that in a way, not shame. I won't shame myself. I recognize there's my growth yeah. that I learned from them. And, you know, earlier I said to you, my darkest past is my greatest asset for reading because I have looked at my darkness and said, I don't like that. And I'm going to do something different. And I'm very fortunate that my darkness was minimal compared to most that I see that have darkness because I had that experience as a child or because I was born not to have that experience as walking in darkness. But how do I let go of that? Because I can get myself in that space of envy feeling um, less than, or feeling like that's not fair. <laughs> I mean, I'll say it to myself, that's not fair. That's not a, you know, they're not on, they're, they're, they're hurting people and they don't even know and their egos are so big. And I'll say all that to myself. They avoid me now, those people. But um, what I'm learning every day is that that's their journey. And this is mine. And I'm learning something from them. I'm learning what I don't want to be. Well said. I, I find that it's, it's very complicated for me too, coming from both sides of this world in the publicity side that amplifies voices and being in the healing community, right? And the spiritual community. And I have ran across and, and, and unfortunately had, you know, interactions with people who are nothing like they seem and are completely ego-driven and it really was hard for me when I first launched Conscious Living PR because I was seeing these people that I thought I should represent because, oh, they're shiny and they have a great Instagram following and they're going to be easy to get pressed for. And that's clearly who I should be going for. And soon enough, I found like, no, these people are, are not high vibration. They are simply doing it for money and ego. 
and nothing else matters to them. The, the people they're helping really don't matter. Like sometimes they feel good if they help a little bit, but it's really just kind of a, a, a side thing. Like, yay. Okay. I helped you. But if I, yeah, just a little extra bonus. And I have really made it a mission for myself to, first of all, like you're kind of saying that they don't come around you anymore. That's because you've created these boundaries, I believe, where you're like, uh-uh, I don't want any of that. I'm me. I don't need that. And I would think that's why they're not coming around you anymore. And I've done the same thing where I've basically told spirit, like, if they're not high vibration, if they're not in alignment with me, please don't have them come my way anymore. And if there's people currently in my life, no matter how hard it hurts, because I'm not seeing it, take them away. You know, I, I will take it. You know, what's so about you saying that. Yeah. Is that the way I'm hurt? So they take them away and I go, why don't they like me? There's that mean girl syndrome, you know, and I go back to that. It's like, what's wrong with me? What a lesson is that? You know, like, why don't they want to be around me when I've already told spirit, don't bring those kind of people in my life, get rid of them, drop them off. And then when they do drop off, I think I've done something wrong or, you know, I'm always self-focused looking at me. What do I need to change? What do I need to do? How do I need to be better? You know, this has been my life journey and you have the same thing. And so I hear you completely. I think that, um, that's what I'm talking about when I say spirit needs those kinds of people to be here for people like us to grow because I have to grow. I just had a recent experience where someone told me, you don't fit into my circle. Whoa, you're a medium. And you just said that to me. I was crushed and it, it took a lot for me to rise above it. It made me cry. It would hurt. And then I stepped back and went, do I want to fit in her circle? Exactly. And the answer I don't, I would never, I, just saying those words to some, I would never say that to anyone that was good of heart. So I got my lesson there, right? And, and I had to let go and I did, and it took a little while, um, but not as long as it took the first time that happened to me or the third time that might've happened to me or some other experience similar uh, where it would take me a year to get over it or six months, I was still talking about it because it hurt so bad. Now it's a week or two weeks. So you see the growth that they've created in me and you're going through the same thing. You go through the same experience. Everything we go through can teach us and does if we allow it. So I'm a better person for it, not in spite of it. In spite is a terrible connotation, but because of it or for it, whatever occurred, I am better. That's a positive journey for me. Absolutely. And yes, I, again, you know, you know, my story. So, you know, you know that I can absolutely relate to that. And I don't know what it is about wanting to be into a group that doesn't even want you, you know, and wanting to be among, it's gotta be a form of ego that we just, you know, whether we want to admit it or not, there's something there of just wanting to be accepted in what you think is, you think is great somehow. But at the end of the day, you learn that's not great. Anyone who, who behaves like that, that's not inclusive of other, like you're saying, good of heart people, kind people, you don't want that. And that's, you know, that was my lesson. Yours is in spirit, in the spirit world. Mine was in Hollywood where I was like, uh-uh, if you don't want me, if I'm too pure of heart for you, then I don't want to be here. And it was really hard. And it's something that I still, you know, I, I heal from and then it comes back. And it resurfaces and then I heal from it and it resurfaces and it's, it's a journey, right? And it's strengthening us, you know? But if you look at it this way, the reason that you go in and out of it and through it and you, we want to beat ourselves up, you know, and say, you know, why do I keep doing this to myself? 
It is not a bad thing to want to be loved and to want love. It is a wondrous, amazing thing. And when we realize that, we realize that's all we're looking for. And we think this person who isn't loving us, why? We want them to. We want them to, even though they may not be good people, we want them to love us because how can they not see how, how loving we are and how can they reject you? And th there is nothing horrible about that. It's just that it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It causes us too much pain. So, you know, I try to remind myself that all I want is to be loved and accepted. And, and I call that the mean girl syndrome. I just want to say that because most of us that have this kind of soul can go back and look at how many times we've been rejected by the group or mean girl treated us badly and we didn't know why, why we just wanted them to love us. Just love me. I'm a good person. Why don't you love me? Something must be wrong with me because you do love all of those people. And so we, we, we internalize that pain and then we grow. And as we're growing up, we're still doing that. And we think, cause we're in love and light industry that everyone is loving and good and no ego. And uh-uh, there's people, every industry has norm, the normal process of their need to grow. And sometimes that need to grow gets in the way of our, our feeling good about ourselves, but really all you've ever wanted was to be loved. And that's me too. You know, but um, we are learning as we go that we want to be loved by the right people. Exactly. And we want the love to be good. There is such a thing as bad love and good love. So ego love, ego um, and hateful love. Um, I love you, but uh, demanding love, do it my way, love. And then there's that good love that says, no matter how many mistakes you make, I know what your intention is, and I'm going to love you through it, because that's who I am today. And that doesn't mean I don't set boundaries. It simply means I'm going to love you through it. Doesn't mean I co-sign it. Doesn't mean I accept it. I just simply am going to love you through it when I know what your intention is. Right. So that's a different kind of love. And we're looking for those people who have that not so healthy love or good love to love us healthy. It's like looking we're putting the kind of love we give on them. And I've done that my whole life. Yeah, I've done it. I've done it too. So we're, we're definitely, we have the matching picture there for sure. We, we definitely feel the same. We're going way over time. And I, I still have so many questions for you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. You have to promise me on air right now that you're going to come back. No, I'm teasing, but so I, absolutely <laughs> I, I love you. I, I, I think you're amazing. I will come back. <laughs> so I'm like, there's more I have to ask you, Susan, people have to know. But one thing I want to ask you just to pull in a little bit more about the NDEs is mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, because I know that you're, you're obviously, as we've said, a really accomplished intuitive medium and training in a number of modalities, including hypnotherapy and past life regression. And I found that interesting with the NDE work that you've done, because I think it all can come together potentially. So I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about the work you do with past life regression after being someone who's experienced an NDE? Is there, is there any kind of difference in that since you already had seen the afterlife in that way that past life regression may have been different for you and through studying NDEs, do you see past life regressions differently than you hear other people perhaps talk about them or is it, is it pretty much the same and it didn't really, one didn't affect the other? I think it's pretty much the same. Um, what I do know is that, you know, there's lives between lives and then there's the past life and you have to know where you've taken them. 
And sometimes people don't understand the difference. And also there are things we're not meant to know. And we have created a circumstance and I think it, you know, some of it was for healing, some of it was for people to make money, all different reasons why people do things. We've created a circumstance where we want to solve our today by looking at our yesterdays, uh, our past lives. But if spirit wanted that, wouldn't they have us remember it? So we have to be very careful how far we take that. So if we do it for a little bit of knowledge, knowledge is power. It empowers you. If we're doing it to heal ourselves and to be a well, don't even bother because it won't happen. Spirit's not going to give you enough to give you that because our goal And I know this from my NDE, I didn't have an easy life and I still had to go through everything. Um, Our goal is to grow through things, not know things. Once we grow through them, we become knowing. So to go back and know it doesn't make us grow through it, but it does give us a little kickstart. And that's what that's for. I love that you're saying that because I, I know a lot of past life regression therapists that will claim that it will heal you. And I have, I I don't specialize in past life work at all. Sometimes spirit gives me information and they tell me, and then I share it with a client in a healing session. Very rarely. It's not too common for me. Um, And I have never found that it's helped the client with the situation. The time that it's come up for me has been usually with romance. When someone can't get over someone in this life, spirit has oftentimes been like, you might as well tell them just, just so they have the information. You might as well tell them that it's because in a past life, they have had a journey with this other human. Right. And that's why they don't understand, like circumstantially, I should be over him or, you know, what, what's going on, or I should be over her. Why is this happening to me? And spirit will say it's because they had had a journey. And sometimes I'll get the story. Does that help them after it's, it's kind of nice. because really? So knowledge is empowerment. So healing is a choice, right? So if they come back from past life regression, are you telling them that, which is amazing that you can do that? Um, Telling them something about their journey. If they say, okay, I want to look at that and I want to heal this, then yes, it can help them. If they say, oh yeah, well, I feel like I made it up and so did you. No, it's not going to. And for the past life regressionists that feel that just doing a past life will heal someone, I don't, I honor that in them. They believe that to be true for me. I know I have to do the work and I'm here to do the work. And if I'm not doing the work, nothing's going to help me. They can put it in front of me, spirit, meaning they can put it in front of me a million times. It's like narcissism. It comes in front of us and pass every all the time. I believe this. Lessons learned are not lessons done. They're simply lessons learned. What we do with it decides how often spirit needs to put it in front of us. Yes. <laughs> I want to save that. That's a, you need to put that on your Instagram. That's a good one. <laughs> you know, that's, that's so true. And that's why even, you know, we, we've been talking about, you know, how things just keep coming up for us. And we think, you know, I, I'm, I'm better than that. I know, I know better. Why am I still feeling? And it just keeps coming up because it's not a lesson done. And, and you're absolutely right. And I completely agree with you. Okay. So last question only because it's fun and I love all the stuff you do with orbs and it was so cool. And everybody listening to this has got to go check out Susan's Instagram page for the orb videos that she posts. Whoa. The one that you just recently had, that's like, you just have a video of a room and there's a heart. Okay. An unquestionable heart. What is that? 
story. I had worked that week with children, parents who had lost children all week. I don't know how it landed in one whole week, but it did. And I was devastated inside. And I decided I, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this work. I was, I can't explain what I felt. Just a pain beyond measure. And usually I can separate and I couldn't. And I was actually sitting on the couch. You can't see the couch unless I show you the whole film, but it won't go on Instagram. I have the whole thing. And I have a camera for safety. And I was and to see the orbs in the room when I'm talking to them, I use my my phone and I and I, I look through my camera on my phone and I film. So I'm sitting there and I'm saying, I just I can't do this anymore. I love you all so much, but I can't feel this way anymore. It, it still affects me when I talk about it. It was just one after the other after the other of terrible loss. And to me, losing a child is the worst. So. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and all these orbs are showering down and I can feel them and I'm sensing them and they're around me and I know it. And then they just for a second stopped. And I see this heart come in and I said, oh my God, what are you? That's literally was my response. If you listen to me talking, you'll hear me say that. And then it drops and I, I ended up still shotting it after, not during. And it, it comes up and then it drops down. You can see the fuzzy on the outside. You know, it's not, you know, I didn't throw a piece of paper up in the air yeah. and then it just, it just explodes in front of me. And you, I have a picture still shot of that. It just goes boom into to a bright light. And I knew it was my angels. We all have them. I call them my angels because they crossed me over and brought me back. And so I'm very, feel very personal with them and I'm not, you all have them, but I just, you know, it's me. Um, I knew it was them saying to me, we love you too. And we've got you. You can do this. We, our love will keep you safe. And I knew it. And it was one and only time. I've never had it happen again but I've never been that dark with doing this work before again, because now I know that they love me and they were there and they, they knew the, they knew what needed to happen in these people's lives for whatever reason or, or made good of something. I don't believe they make death. I, I don't believe, I don't, I think there's accidents and I think there's misfortunes and I think that they make good of it. And most people think everything is a planned event. And I try to tell them it, it has to make sense. And if, if to me, and if it's a plan, if everything's a planned event, and I can tell you your whole future, and I know you're going to lose someone, etc., then it's not a plan. Then it is a planned event. There is no free will because if there was free will, you could change something, and it wouldn't happen the same way. So why are we here then? Why are we here then if everything's planned? Everything it makes no sense to me. Um, so what I know is that some things just happen, and and I feel like with orbs. For me, when I know they're there and I can call them in, I, I, feel, I feel the love. I feel loved. I feel acknowledged. Like we were talking about with humans. I feel that with the spirit world when that happens. I feel acknowledged and I feel loved. And that's exactly what happened. And I got up and I went home and I got up the next morning and I came in and I did my job. And... Um, and I knew that that love was there and I, it was palpable. I can't explain it. I, I thought it was going to be a heartbeat, like beating when I went back and looked at it, 
Um, but when it exploded, it came down like almost, I have that video, almost to the top of the chair um, um, handle or whatever it is, and um, where you put your arms. And it just, it was, it, it's, it, it's not describable. I can't, and I knew, I knew, I, I knew. But what you'll see is, is all of a sudden, all those orbs that are coming everywhere stopped. And then as soon as that heart was done, they all started coming really fast again. You'd only see a few here and there. And then all of a sudden it was a flood again. Isn't that bizarre? It was like orb confetti, first of all. I mean, you get so many orbs, it's fascinating. And I, I, I've never seen so many orbs in a room. Like the, the most orbs I've ever seen in my life were once I was at a, a summit with a bunch of mediums. And so all the spirits were there for their loved ones. And so I was just like, oh my gosh, I've never seen so much in a room before, but that's many people, right? Or one time I was meditating in Sedona and for some reason there were a lot of orbs there on the mountain you're just filling this room up like consistent. It's fascinating. And I saw this last night on your Instagram and I'm like, wait a second. Is that a heart-shaped orb? Is this real? Well, it was so specific. I was like, is that, you know, and not that I would ever think you would do it, but I was like, am I reading this right? Am I seeing this right? Just looking at it. Cause it was a heart. And I was like, it's, it's literally shaped like a heart. It's not like a distorted heart that you're like, oh, it's kind of like a heart. No, it was a heart. It's so beautiful. And, and it was just, just got your heart. We've got your heart. You're yeah. okay. And I, you know, I couldn't make that happen. I could throw paper and confetti up in the air a million times. Wow. I could that happen the way it twisted and, and then just lays in front of you. And then boom, it, it dis- I, and I've had people say to me, uh, not about that video, but I've had people say other videos, you know, that's just dust. And I said, okay, well, let me, I, I'm going to honor that. So I'm going to ask it to go in me and come through me. And I'll say, please come through me and you'll see it go. And I have that video on there. It'll come through my leg, come up my legs, halfway up my body, come back down, go all the way down back to my feet and come out. That is not dust. And I, and I want so bad for people. I know that some of it can be like the really quick moving, like crazy is probably a bug or something. Um, we're going to get some of that in there, but, but the, the orbs, I can feel the difference. I, I call them in. So when I first am looking, they're not there a lot, most of the time. And I'll have my students be in there, you know, and I'll go, come out, come out wherever you are. So stupid. I know it sounds stupid, but it's because the yellow brick road. I don't know why. Anyway, I say that and then you'll start seeing them and I'll go, I'm not in my room. I'm in the outer room right now. And all of a sudden you'll see them coming through the doors and walls at me. Um, and not just me, everyone, I'm not, I'm not singling myself out, but they're, but they're coming from that room right through the walls at me all of a sudden, because I'm saying I'm not in that room anymore. I'm out here, you know, and they know it, but I'm, I'm, I'm reminding them, Hey, I want to see you. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I feel so blessed. I love it. I just, I had to add that in as the final part of the podcast episode, just because I want people it's, I think that it just, I don't know, like it, even at the beginning of the podcast, when you were describing your, your NDE and the afterlife and how, you know, just like the little animals that you would see and you just kind of have this snow white kind of vibe for me and like just the animals and this compassion that you have that I just feel like the spirits would all just gravitate towards you. And I can tell people from my experience that 
spirits will choose which medium they also want to go through and to. And a lot of times people will see that medium because they've been led by spirit because that's who they wanted them to see yeah. a lot of the time, not often. And I know that when they know they can trust someone and it's someone that they are feeling good about. And I just feel that compassion with you that I just feel like that's why these orbs all come to you because you have that snow white, like with the animals, you have that snow white with the angels and the spirits and they just trust you and they just want to be around you and your presence and hoping that you, you know, will, will share their messages. So I, I truly believe that about you. And I want to thank you for your time. Oh, I feel so, I feel so good right now. I needed this so bad. Thank you. So glad. And definitely please come back and I'm going to put information about you in the show notes. So everybody knows where to find you. I'm sure everybody's literally going to go scroll to those and look up your orbs ASAP. You guys have to do it by the way. It's amazing. And please, I, I highly recommend Susan. So if you guys need any kind of work, check her out. She does amazing coaching. She does Reiki. She does space clearing. I mean, past life regression, hypnotherapy. She does it all. Please check her out. She's an amazing soul. And you guys know that I highly endorse people I believe in. So Thank you again, Susan. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I just want to thank Susan for coming on the Conscious Healing Podcast again. Thank you so much, Susan. That was such a fun episode. I really want to do an episode on orbs in the future. And maybe we can bring Susan back on to talk about that because I just can't get enough about orbs. I remember one time I had gone to a, uh, a, a panel for lack of, I guess it was a presentation. It was just this one lady, how's the panel, right? It was this one lady at a spiritual event and it was all about orbs because her son had passed away and she had noticed that ever since he had passed away that there was always an orb or orbs in her photos that she was taking. And she has this amazing book. I wish I could remember her name right now. She, I think I have it somewhere, I bought it. She has this amazing book about how she, you know, everywhere she goes, she just became obsessed with taking pictures and there's always orbs in her pictures. And she, she breaks down the difference between when it's like a dust particle or something in the environment versus what she believes are actual orbs. And I've, I've studied that as well. And if you, if you look and research in it, research it up, then you'll see that there's even people who have pictures of orbs where when you look at the orb, there's sometimes like faces or things that you could recognize in them. And it's, again, my favorite word when I'm doing this podcast, I feel like fascinating. So yeah, it's, it's amazing. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. And as this is my last episode of the season, I hope you guys have enjoyed this first season. I'm really thinking about what I want to do for next season. I'm about to go on a pretty long road trip. And so it's going to be interesting to see what I experience and what I go through that will influence where I want to go next, not just with my life, but with this podcast, with my work. I just feel really good about trusting and letting go. And I am so grateful for the lessons I've learned this past year. I'm grateful for the times that I was wrong. And I honor the times that I was wrong just as much as I honor the times that I'm right, if not more, because I've grown. I get more out of being wrong and learning from it than being right, correct? I didn't say right, right? <laughs> and I just want to say that 
it's been such a journey getting to connect with people and talk about spirit and have these conversations and know that I'm able to share them with you. And really what I'm looking to do next season, I think, is let go of the educational aspect as much. So again, if you guys disagree, send me a DM, reach out to me, let me know because I do this for you. And if it's something you guys, you guys are really craving to, to hear, or if you want it a certain way, I'm, I'm always open to hearing that, but I would like to just have conversations with people, cool people. I want to bring people on that always with spirit, some sort of connection, conscious connections, you know, everything about my brand is, is the word conscious, you know, and there's a reason for that. And I only want conscious people in my life and I only want to do conscious things. So I'm thinking next season, I'm going to just bring on really cool people that are in my life or really cool people I want to have chats with and just talk to them about their lives, what they've been through, their spiritual journeys and what they have to teach and impart wisdom on instead of sticking to kind of thematically like this first season was breaking down, you know, an episode on crystals, an episode on mediumship. I feel like I covered a lot. And for anyone who is on the beginning journey, hopefully that was a really good way of just kind of introing everybody in, but I'm craving to go deeper. I'm craving to go deeper in conversations. And I sort of just want my next season to be me having a phone call with really cool people. And for you guys to be able to be a fly on the wall while I'm on that phone call, so to speak, or I, I don't know why I'm saying phone call. I guess it's because it's been the pandemic and I haven't seen people in person like that, but me having coffee or tea with people and for you guys to just hear our conversation. So again, DM me and let me know if that sounds good to you. I'm always interested to hear what you guys have to say, as I said. And again, I cannot sign off on this episode and this season without telling you, thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. I really appreciate all the love and support. And it's, again, as I said in the intro, it's been a blast being able to do this. And I feel like I always have so much to say. Anybody who knows me knows I'm never at a loss for words. I've always got something to say about everything, but I love you all. And I hope that you have found healing in this first season. And I appreciate you. And I'm sending you infinite love and infinite gratitude. Until next season, goodbye. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what you heard, please take a moment to subscribe and rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'd really appreciate that. You can also find me on Instagram at Healing with Mona and visit my website at www.consciousheelingco.com and send me a message there if you want to work with me one-on-one. Until next time, this is Mona Loring signing off and sending you all the good vibes.